Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for the way that you're working in our lives. We thank you for the way that you're wooing us even in this moment. We thank you for the stories and the narratives that we have going on right now. Father, the good and the hard things. And we come here today probably dealing with a whole lot of different things in our lives. Maybe some celebrations, maybe some really difficult things as well. And we know through your scripture that you love us through it all. We thank you for this season of Advent. We thank you for the preparation and the anticipation that comes in the season where we focus our hearts on you. And even this morning as we dive into your scripture, Lord, I pray that you would be especially present to us, that all those online right now, that they would know how wonderful they are, not only to us as a community, but to indeed you, God. May we see your face in a fresh way today. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. And now may this message, and as we open up your word together, bring you glory. May it bring you joy. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is our third Sunday in Advent, and it is a special time for us as a community as we celebrate the birth of Christ, as we celebrate all that comes with the kingdom that Jesus' birth brought. But it's also a time of preparation and anticipation because Advent isn't just about the birth of Jesus. It's also about the second coming, the looking forward to what is yet to come. We as people who follow Jesus, for those of us that do, we are people of the now and the not yet. That's a sermon in and of itself. I'm just going to leave it there for now. We, we celebrate what God is doing in our lives now, but we look forward to the not yet. That's the celebration of Advent. And we're already three Sundays in. It's amazing to me. And during this this season of Advent, we've been in a preaching series where we've been looking at the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus' kingdom that he came to establish and the kingdom values that Jesus established, especially in contradiction to the kingdom of the world. And as you've heard, thank you, Lisa and Remy, for reading for us today. Today, we're talking about this kingdom value of joy. Joy. And what an interesting thing to think about, right? We love to talk about joy because we love having joy in our lives. We can't help it. We're human. We love to feel good. We love to have that deep belly laugh or that fulfillment that comes with joy. We love it when things are going well in our lives. We love it when things are going well so much. And we always are seeking joy. But the question is, when life is difficult, when life is hard, when tragedy strikes, how do we lean into this kingdom value of joy when those ever too present moments happen to us? How do we lean into joy when we indeed are experiencing the valleys of life? We love the mountaintop, but what do we do when we experience the valleys of life? There is a verse in the Bible that is really an anchor text for those that follow Jesus. And it's found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And it says this, and this is what it says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's easy to believe that God is with us when times are good, when we're on the mountaintop of life. It's easy to know that Jesus is with us when we feel good about our lives. It's easy to sense the presence of God when things are good, when we're on the mountaintop. But it is sometimes much more difficult, at least for me, to sense the presence of God when you're in the valley, 
When things aren't going your way, when you get bad news, when you're hurting, maybe when you feel a little bit alone, maybe when you're worried or you're dealing with some sort of fear or you're afraid of something to come, maybe even when you're battling depression, it pushes you down into this valley and it is tough to experience the presence of God. And what's so interesting to me is that in our lives, on the journey of our lives, we oftentimes can have two or three things that are just awesome. They are mountaintop-like experiences. We love them. They're wonderful. But then there's this one thing that just pulls us down into the valley. There's two or three things that we love, but there's this one thing that pulls us down. And we love to celebrate, but there's always this one thing. And life is going so well until it isn't. And that's what happened to me some three years ago in 2019. My son, Josiah, and I were on this magical trip to Alaska. We were having this wonderful father-son experience up in Alaska. I had some meetings for work. We were up there together, and then we planned this fishing trip afterwards. And we were up there standing literally in this glacially fed river called the Kenai River. And if you've ever seen a glacially fed river, it's got that light blue hue to it. I think we might even have a photo of it. I'm not sure, Dylan, if that's available. But yeah, so tough to tell in that picture. But we're standing in this river, fishing, having the time of our lives with two dear friends of mine from Alaska. And I'm standing there just thanking the Lord. In the distance, there's mountains. Just across the bend, there's the ocean. Wildlife all around us. We're literally worried about bears coming out of the, you know, the, the woods and attacking our fish. And we're pulling in salmon. Because it's August, and in August in Alaska, the salmon run. We love to fish here, but Alaska knows serious fishing, right? And I'm watching my, my then 12-year-old, 13-year-old, have the time of his life, and it is a mountaintop experience. And then, later that night, the sun in Alaska, it stays up very late in the evening, so we must have got back to the place we were staying about 11 o'clock. And I got a phone call from one of my siblings that my dad had passed away. And so here I am on this mountaintop experience with my son. And all of a sudden, I get this tragic news that my father had succumbed to the cancer that he was battling. And for me, it was much more than a gut punch. It was a life-changing moment that I'm still working through all these years later. You see, my dad had been diagnosed with small cell lung cancer earlier that June. So about two, or two and a half months, he was battling this. He had looked sick even into May. But it had been a summer of ups and downs, and I actually tried to cancel the Alaska trip. I didn't want to go because I didn't want to miss my dad having an up or a down. I wanted to be with him either way. He said, you cannot cancel your trip with your son, Josiah. He wouldn't let me do it. He made us go, and we celebrated in that moment. And there we were, standing in one of the most beautiful places in the world, having this perfect moment together. And in an instant, my heart and my soul were diving deep into the valley. It was all of a sudden this tragic moment that was redefining my life. And it was stealing my joy. The joy of this beautiful moment that I had with my son, with these two dear friends of mine, it was stealing it. And for some of you, you can resonate with this story you can resonate with this example because maybe you're there now in your life as well. There's some seasons and pockets of our life that might be really, really good, that might be, feel blessed, but 
maybe you're also having some difficult things. Maybe your marriage is really good, but it's possible that one of your children is really putting a lot of pressure on your marriage at the same time. Or maybe work is going well, but there's some different things with your finances that have been really out of control and you're worried about the future. Maybe there's some other thing that you're dealing with, looking forward to the holidays, but you're just not even sure how you're going to maintain the illness that's creeping up on you. Sometimes these valleys happen in our lives and it pulls us down so quickly. And so what I want to do is I want to talk today about where is God in the valley? How do we find joy in the midst of life's valleys? And when we look at scripture, it's interesting that valleys represent several things, many things. We've seen this before in many different texts that we've read, right? We see that valleys are often a place of battles. And some of us might feel like maybe we're in a battle in our life right now. Sometimes valleys are a season of loneliness or desperation. And it's interesting that valleys are also a time of growth. That you may enjoy God in some special way on the mountaintop, but when you're in the valley, there's something unique and special about the way that we grow in our relationship with Jesus in the valley. I heard one pastor say it like this. He said, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. We get to know him intimately in the valleys. We may know and enjoy him when times are good, but we get to know him in a different way when we're in the valleys of life. And how do we experience the kingdom value of joy in the value? How do we negotiate and navigate and get through these valleys? Well, there's a scripture text in the Old Testament found in Psalms, Psalm 84. And it's actually a really well-known psalm, but the, the scripture verse, the verses I'm going to read, we sometimes pass over very easily because the rest of the text is just so good. But Psalm 84 actually gives us insight into how to navigate the valleys of life. It says this, starting with verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, as always, let's walk through the text, and we always begin with this. What do we know? Well, first of all, let's talk about the Valley of Baca. What is the Valley of Baca? Well, the Valley of Baca was apparently a very well-known place in ancient Israel. It was referred to likely, um, they were talking about a specific tree that identified this valley. And this tree uh, would sap a lot, and so when people would walk by it, they would say, oh, there's the Tree of Tears the tree of weeping. It would look like a tree that was weeping. And so this valley oftentimes was referred to and translated differently as the valley of tears, the valley of weeping, even the valley of loss. That was what the valley was referred to here, the valley of Baca. It was the valley of loss. And anytime we see a valley in the Bible, you would see a place that was very dangerous. There were sometimes thorns and, and you know, hard terrain that was difficult to get through. Sometimes there was wild animals in the scripture that denotes this valley. And sometimes there are people waiting to rob you and beat you in the valley. Something bad was going to happen in the valley. And this is why the psalmist says in verse 5, he says, Blessed are those whose strength 
is found in God. Everyone has times in their life where we've probably said, I've just had enough. I've reached the end of my strength. I can't do it anymore. I've had enough. I don't have what it takes to get through this difficult season. I have nothing left to give. We've all had times like that when you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you find yourself at the end of your strength, then that's all you have. But as Jesus followers, we actually have access to something greater than our own strength. Something that as Christ followers, we believe is a strength that goes beyond our own capacity. That's what we have when it says, blessed are those whose strength is found in you, God. We believe that when we get to the end of our strength, that there is a heavenly strength. That there is a divine strength. That there's a strength from our God that is available to those who know him. A lot of you are people who spend time running, which I don't understand that at all. You're runners, Stephen, right? Just shake your head. A lot of us spend time in the gym and we work out. And if you've ever done any sort of physical activity, you know that there can be a moment when you're running, you're working out, you're doing some sort of physical activity where you feel like you have no strength left. I don't have that another mile to run. Or you might be lifting weights and you're like, my muscles are completely spent. I've got nothing left to give. That's why it's so great to run with somebody else or to lift weights or to exercise with somebody who can urge you forward, who can be a spotter because when your strength is gone, they can provide more strength for you. How much greater is the strength of our God when we reach the end of ourselves in the valley of life. It is our God who, when we hit the end of our strength, his strength is made perfect in weakness. The scripture says it is made perfect. It says, blessed are those whose strength is found in God. And if you're in the middle of the valley right now, you, everyone in this room, and everyone watching online, have access to a very real an ever-present power of a good God who is available and ready to come and assist us in our time of need. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. It's interesting that it doesn't say, blessed are those who make it on their own. It's interesting that it doesn't say, blessed to those of you who are strong enough to work just a little harder to get through it on your own. It doesn't say, Blessed are those who are really determined. One of the big problems in our world today, and if we're talking about the kingdom values that we're up against, is that there is almost an idolization of a spirit of independence, right? Like, we want to be independent. We don't want to depend on anyone. We want to be financially independent. We want to, we want to be completely good on our own. We don't want to trust people. We don't want people to be there for us. We say, I don't need God. I've got the power to make it on my own, I don't need anybody. But friends, we were not created to be independent. We were created to be dependent on God and dependent on each other. Blessed are you when you realize that you are dependent and have a power greater than yourself. Some of you in this room today are dealing with this type of valley. You're working so hard to get through it, but you need to surrender that. You need to turn it over to God and you need to let God be the one who provides your strength. 
Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. Verse 5 says it in a very unique way. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their mind on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I love that phrase, pilgrimage. I have loved this word my entire life. I have used it to describe our journey with Jesus, the word pilgrimage. We're on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, what does it mean? It means, it means this. We may be in the valley, but we're going to what is known as Jerusalem was often called the city of refuge or the city of peace. We may be in the valley, but we are on our way to the city of refuge or we're going to the place they call the place of peace. One commentary said it this way, to get to the city of refuge, you had to travel through the valley of tears. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes to get where you really appreciate the presence and the power of God, to get to a place where we really understand the fullness of joy, you have to push through a little bit of pain to get to the presence of the goodness of God. For so, many, so for so many people, the valley is a pathway to a place of peace. We've pushed through the valley. We're on a pilgrimage. And how do we do that? What helps us get through the valley of tears? Well, the psalmist tells us what joy it is for those who, whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds, who have set their minds. Blessed are those who have their minds set towards God. Don't lose this. This is so important. This points out that what we think about actually really matters. What we consume, what we fill our minds with, what we can consume through our ears, our minds, our hearts, it matters. Paul talked about this in the New Testament everywhere. He said to the Colossian believers, he said that, set your mind on things above, not on things below. He said to the Philippian believers, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, or admirable, or lovely, think about such things. Where you are in your life, on your journey, is one thing. What you think about can be something else, and it matters. Your current situation may be in the valley, but your mind can still be set on God. Your heart might be aching, it might be broken, but your mind can be set on God. Your soul may be in disarray, but your mind can be set on God. Your emotions may be racing, but your mind is fixed on God. There, be, there may be real tragedies that you're dealing with in your life right now, but your mind can be set on the goodness of God. The scripture says that God is with us and he is for us. The scripture says that greater is he in me than the one that is in the world. The Bible says that my God is going before me to prepare a place for me, a way for me. God's spirit gives us strength when we are weak. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. When I cannot make it, God's power is so real. I may be in the valley, but my mind is set on the kingdom of God. I am on a journey. I am on a pilgrimage. I am going to the place of peace. You may be in the valley right now, but your mind is fixed on the Lord. 
Verse 6 then says this phrase. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. As they pass through the valley of Baca. I love this because we may be in the valley right now. Hear this, friends. But it's not our destination. You might be in the valley right now, but it's not where you're going to end up. It's not our destination. What are we doing? We're just passing through. It's a temporary thing. The valley will not last forever. You will get through it. We are passing through. I may be in the valley, but this is not my home. I'm journeying to the place of peace. I'm just passing through. My God will get me through this. David said something incredibly similar in Psalm 23. You know it. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I may be in the valley, but I'm just passing through. I may be in a difficult time, but God is going to get me through this. I may be hurting now, but I won't be hurting forever. My God is going to pull me through. I may be in the dark place, but I'm just passing through the valley of Baca. Sometimes, if you're like me, when you're in the middle of these painful valleys, you just want to get out. Oftentimes, I don't want to journey through the valley. I just want God to get me out now. Just take it away, God. I just want out. There is no way. I have no joy. I have no joy. God, help me. When what we need to realize is that so often God may show us the way through the valley and not just out of the valley. Those are two different things. Sometimes the growth that happens in our lives happens by traveling through the valley. The road to the path of peace is often through the valley, but we can never forget that we're just passing through. This is not our home, and we don't stay here. This next phrase is also incredibly significant. It says this, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. Now think about this for a minute. Let your mind wander to a very dry place in the world. What do you need in a desert? What do you need in a dry place in the world? You need a well. You need a water source, a spring, something that's going to overflow and bring nourishment and life and refreshment. So what are we called to do? We're called to dig a well in the dry places, in the valley. We make a well. You take and clear away a little hole as a container for the provision of rain that God will provide. Maybe God hasn't sent the rain yet. Maybe God hasn't provided that provision yet. But we are still called to make a well, to build a container to capture the presence of God. You make room for the provision of God. You make a well. God hasn't sent it yet, but I know that God will provide what we need. So we make a container preparing for the presence and the provision of God. We make a well. And it's almost as if God would say something like this. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig the well, I will fill it, God says. If you prepare for me, I will show up. Show me your faith and I'll show you your faithfulness. Jesus apparently subscribed to this philosophy about God the Father. 
and about the different healing that he participated in around the world during his ministry. There was a man with a shriveled up hand in the New Testament. You've probably read it before. And Jesus could have just said a word and the man's hand would have been healed. But the man, he said to the man, stretch out your hand and then I will heal it. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. There was a man who had been crippled for what, 30 years, I think, 28 to 30 years. And Jesus didn't just say, get up, go. Jesus said, pick up your mat, stand up, then walk. There was this sense of us showing our faithfulness to God and then God heals. If you dig it, he will fill it. If you plant it, he will grow it. If you, you have to plant your seed before we see the harvest. If you pray it, then God hears our prayers. When we're in a dry place, we make a well. We prepare a place. We create a container and prepare for God to provide his presence and his provision. I love the if-then promises of God in Scripture. The Scripture says that if you draw near to me, God says, I will draw near to you. Show me that you believe and I will show you my presence. If you seek me, you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you. Friends, maybe you haven't sensed the presence of God in your life in a long time. Maybe the mountaintop experience has eluded you. Maybe it's been a long time since you experienced that intimate presence of the Lord. It's time to make a well. It's time to dig a ditch in your life. It's time to say to God, I'm going to stop and wait for your presence. I'm going to prepare for your provision in your presence because if you dig it, God will fill it. And here's something to think about that I struggle with, and I'm sharing this with you today. God rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. God rarely reveals himself to people who are always rushed. The words, be still and know that I am God, carry weight in the valley. Sometimes when we haven't had that presence experience, that mountaintop experience, when we're down in the valley, we're building a well, we're creating a place for a spring to come up, we just need to be still and know that he is God. God says, why don't you make a well and then I will fill it? Because if you dig it, I will fill it. If you seek me, you will find me. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Be still and known. For some of us, this is a time to prepare, a time to dig, a time to plant. I know that God is going to meet us in these places. Make a well, prepare for his presence, and if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And here's something that is very difficult to understand. God never promised that we wouldn't go through the valleys. That was never God's promise. Nowhere in scripture does it give that, paint that picture. But what God promised us is that he would be with us. God is with us. It says, and the virgin will be a child and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I will love the way that the psalmist phrases the portion of the scripture in verse seven, the last thing that we will talk about today. As we journey through the valley of Baca, as we're going, from a place, we're going to the place of peace, he then says to go 
from strength to strength. I love this phrase. Then they go from strength to strength. Blessed are those who experience the strength of God. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. They go from a little bit of strength in God to a little bit more strength. From a little bit more strength to a little bit more. And that is the pattern of getting through the valley. They go from strength to strength. And what does that look like in our situations? When we're down in the valley, it begins with finding joy in the journey, even in the darkest of hours. There is joy that we can fix our eyes on. This is the hope of Advent. When we praise God in the valley, we live out the kingdom value of joy. We may enjoy him on the mountaintops, but we get to know him in the valleys. We go from strength to strength. So right now, in your life, maybe you feel weak. Who is God in that moment? He's in the middle of our weaknesses. God is our strength. Right now, maybe we're in a dark place. Who is God? Our God is a light in the darkness. Maybe you're in a season of trouble. Who is God? He is our joy in the trouble. Maybe you're in the middle of a painful situation. Who is our God? He is our comforter in the middle of pain. That's who our God is. We pass through the valley. Even though we're in the valley, we do not fear. Why? Because he is with us. This same God that was good on the mountaintop is good to us in the valley. We get to know him in the valley and we go from a little bit of strength to a little bit more strength. And that is how we journey. Now, I will tell you, um, my mom is one of my absolute heroes in my life, right? And what do sons do? Sons honor their moms. That's what sons should do, okay? I'm going to honor my mom for a minute. She's not here today. She's probably glad about that because she would be mortified if I was talking about her with her in the room. Um, my mom is probably watching online right now going, oh my goodness, what's he going to say? Well, I'm going to honor my mom because in 2019, we had a, a very difficult life situation happen when my dad passed away. And my mom had some decisions to make, right? We all did. What kind of definition, what kind of life defined would she live now that her husband of over 50 years, our father that we loved, what would she do now? And it was a valley moment for her, I'm sure, as it was for all of us. My mom's never said this to me before. This was my, my watching her live her life through this valley. But I can tell you she went from strength to strength. The first thing my mom did was she leaned into her family. She believed that God called her to lean into all of us. I've got three siblings, my two brothers and my little sister. And she leaned into all of us. And she also leaned into her grandkids. She knew that we would need her in that moment. She knew that she would need us in this valley. So we leaned in together. We joined linked arms together. It was a beautiful and still is a beautiful thing. The second thing she did is she knew that her faith would need to be more real than ever before. So she either joined or started going more regularly, this Lutheran church up by where she lived in Roseville at the time. And that led to number three. She joined a grief group at that church, which is really what I think drew her in. And at that grief group, there was a shared experience with other people who were going through deep tragedy at the time. And now... My mom is one of the leaders of that group three years later. She's living for the Lord. She's loving her family. She would be the first to tell you she is far from perfect. Fine. But you know what she did? She went from strength to strength to strength 
to get through the valley. We're going to always miss my dad. Anytime I think about him, I can go right to the valley. I'm sure she can too. But you know what my mom did in that journey? Is she created an unbelievable legacy that we now get to experience. All her kids, her grandkids now know that the way that you deal with tragedy is you lean into each other and you lean primarily into the Lord from strength to strength. If you're going through the valley right now, you're just passing through. You won't be there forever. Our God will lead you out. He is a good God. He is with all of us. He is present and he will take us from strength to strength. When we can't handle it anymore, lean into God and his strength will be everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, O oh God, are with us. And who are you? You are Emmanuel, God with us. And there is no greater joy than that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this message. We thank you for your scripture that is so practical to our lives right now. And I want to pray, Father, for those in our congregation, both online and those in the room today, who are hurting. Maybe there's a physical ailment that is so difficult to deal with. I want to pray, Father, for not only your healing, but I want to pray, Father, that you would set our minds on things above in that journey, that we would focus on the eternal dynamic and holiness of our God. I want to pray, Father, for those of us that are dealing with uh, the loss of jobs or any sort of employment issues, God. I want to pray, Father, that you would provide pa a, a straight path forward, that you would give us wisdom on how to get through those really difficult times. Father, may it be so that you would provide for our families, even when we're not sure how we're going to provide for, provide for ourselves. Father, I want to pray for those that are dealing with family dynamics that are painful. Maybe it's with a child, a grown-up child. Maybe it's with a, a spouse or um, a sibling or somebody in an extended family as well. Father, I pray that you would make straight paths in our families, that you would care for those people that are going through the valley with their family right now and help them to celebrate this moment together. How would you call us to love our family, especially as we spend so much time together with our family? And Father, even as a church, as we look forward to the mountaintop as your ministry, God, help us to go from strength to strength and to follow you. We thank you, Lord, for this psalm. We thank you for being God with us. We thank you for Advent. And we pray, God, that you would get all the glory in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen and amen.